So, what's happening? What's happening? I generally come in at least 15 minutes late, and after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. I just stare at my desk, but it looks like I'm working. It's Stone's Daily Dose. Give me the maximum allowable human dosage. Available for download at 6 a.m. Figure out what will kill me and then back it off a little bit. When you say something, it's your word. It's something that you mean. It's something that you're, it's a value. And if you don't believe in it, you shouldn't endorse it. Weekdays at 6 a.m. at stoneonair.com. All right. Hey, everybody. It's the Daily Dose. For November 18th, 2016, my name is Brian Stone. Thank you for being here. A little different show today. And I will just go in and preface on the way in that, yes, I do understand that a show called The Daily Dose that doesn't air every day is not exactly the best name now, is it? Uh, but I'm going to stick with it for now, mainly because if I want to change it, i got to pay the guy that does the voice for it. And I'm running out of money over here. This 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 gig's supposed to pay me. It's not supposed to cost me, or at least, oops, or at least uh, that 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 was the goal going in a decade and a half ago. I, I fulfilled that that goal for a long time. But anyway, so gonna cover a few different things here. Growing up, getting into the the spoken word format at the uh, around the age I was I was obsessed with it about the, around the ages of 21 or 22, and then started working in it around the ages 26. And growing up during those times, 25, 26, 27, 28, I didn't really know, I didn't, I couldn't sit down and have a good current events, political climate conversation without doing a lot of research. You know, if you wanted to talk about uh, state legislation, state legislators, or if you wanted to talk about uh, foreign policy or, you know, the talk about the president elects cabinet members, I'd have had to sit down and had done a lot of really solid research or I'd, I'd sound like an idiot because I was younger and those kinds of things I didn't pay attention to as much. But what I did pay attention to constantly, daily, were, was the world of sports, all sports, baseball, football, college football, ba- even basketball, sometimes hockey. Well, as I've gotten older, flip that, 10 years later, well, now all I can talk about well, or at least with some kind of uh, intelligent approach is the world around us, the cultural environment, the societal environment, the uh, political environment, the the president-elect's cabinet. And um, I can't do sports as well because I don't eat and drink and sleep it all the time. But today that's what I'm going to do because it's a big weekend and I wanted to uh, get some cuts in from John Coppolella, the GM for the Atlanta Braves, as it's uh, we're kind of right before the off-season hot stove league, as they call it, begins to pick up here in a few. So I've got cuts from him from WCNN 680, the fan, the flagship of the Atlanta Braves, and then some uh, some football conversation as we have a really big weekend coming up. So we'll start in college football. And what the hell happened to Louisville? I thought they were really good. So one thing that just drives me insane about college football sometimes. I can't figure out figure out who's any good. I was having a conversation with somebody, an argument almost, debate maybe, about is the SEC any good anymore? Is the SEC good? And I say no. Alabama's good. Alabama's good, and then the rest of the the conference is really, really average. Well, then I started thinking about it even further. Is anybody in college football good, period, except for Alabama? Ohio State's pretty young, uh, so they'll, they'll be back. Michigan looks to be... Solid, but hell, they got beat by Iowa last week. Iowa sucks. And Houston has shown that they weren't going to be what everybody thought they were going to be, losing to Navy. They had another bad loss in there. 
and everybody who are the talking heads, the you know the 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 analysts, the Clay Travises of the world, were saying fourteen point spread, Louisville c- crushes this line. Mortgage, you know, bet the mortgage pick, and Houston smokes Louisville last night. It was thirty-one to nothing by the half. It was thirty-six to ten to finish the thing up. As boring as a football game as you could possibly watch. So Louisville, we can stop talking about their fraudulent season because you just can't lose games like that when you're in this kind of situation when you're supposedly so good so Louisville you're out of course the current playoff rankings are Alabama one Ohio State two Michigan three Clemson four so where are all the number the top four teams playing this week most should be safe Michigan hosts Indiana Indiana's terrible they should win that. Washington, who's on the outside of the, the top four, but have a one-loss uh, record, 9-1. and one. They take on Arizona State. They should be safe, a, a 500-ball club. Uh, Ohio State has at Michigan State, who is terrible this year, so they should be fine there. And Alabama plays the freaking mocks for some reason. I love UTC mocks. I follow UTC football more than any college football team in the country. I hate FBS playing FCS, which that means – the one double A and the one A like you used to, you know, know, but the, the 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 divisions that's that are separate, they don't need to be playing each other. I don't like that. I don't like it one bit, but UTC needs some money, I guess. So they're gonna be down in Tuscaloosa. So clearly Alabama Alabama's already won that game. It hadn't even played yet. But here's the interesting thing in the SEC this weekend. Tennessee is taking on Missouri in Knoxville, possibly one of the most boring CBS afternoon primetime games of the season they play at 3 30 well because of the scheduling because of the um, the hurricane it's got we've got florida taking on lsu at one so before the tennessee game is over you're gonna know whether you have a chance to win the east or if you don't have a chance to win the east and if you don't think every person at home watching and every person in the stands on their phones and every coach you know in a booth with a connectivity to anything and even potentially some of the players and coaches on the field even though they tell you they're not paying attention to that they are that LSU Florida game will be over probably somewhere in the late third quarter maybe even a little bit just a little after halftime of the Tennessee Missouri game so that just kind of throws a little different dynamic into this you know Florida wins they're in I mean, basically, I can't. I there, there's a couple games left, but I know Tennessee's got Vandy. They should win that. I don't know Florida's schedule, but that that's this weekend decides it for all practical purposes, right? Florida wins, they're in. Florida loses, and Tennessee wins, and they're in. Now Missouri's not any good, but neither is South Carolina, and Tennessee has just proven to be the most erratic team that we've seen in a long time. So there's no telling what could happen there and how that could change the psyche of the second half of that game for the good or bad when you find out, you know, if if LSU were to win. And you know if you win that game, that is basically turned into a playoff game before it's even over. Or if Florida wins and say it's close or say it's a tight game or say it could shift and go either way and you just kind of get your your energy taken out of you because now you know you can't go to the SEC championship. It's an interesting dynamic that's going to make that uh, a very interesting afternoon in the SEC. So I'm looking forward to see how that unfolds. A lot of people are saying, well, big deal. It's just for the right to go get your teeth kicked in by Alabama at the uh, SEC championship game. And while that's probably true, all I ever ask is for a chance. All I ever ask is just for a chance. And to have that day, to have the day, the build up, the thought of what if, 
and just give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. You never know what we'll do with this opportunity. So I, I think it's a really big deal, and I think it's huge for morale and for program strength going forward to get into that SEC game, even if they do get embarrassed by Alabama, because there's no shame in that. Alabama embarrasses everybody because there's not hardly any good college football teams. It's Alabama and everybody else. Talking the landscape of football and some offseason baseball today on the Daily Dose for November 18th, 2016. NFL weekend, another big weekend. We'll start with the uh, the game last night, which actually ended up being a pretty good game. I didn't watch all of it, so it might not have been real crisp. I'm not sure as far as quality of play, but it was a close game, 23-20. to Carolina won. If you are a, and, uh, over the, uh, the Saints, if you are an Atlanta Falcons fan, this is very big news for you. I know it's difficult to root for Cam Newton as a division foe. It might pretty much getting difficult for anybody in the country to root for Cam Newton the way he conducts himself. But they needed to win, and they did. Why? Because that puts Carolina at four and six. That puts New Orleans at four and six, and Tampa Bay at four and five. And they play Kansas City this weekend, and they're dogs anyway. So you're not really worried about them. So if they lose to Kansas City. They would all be tied for second, third, fourth. They'd all be same record, putting them two full games, the Atlanta Falcons, that is, two full games above the entire division. With six games to play, being up two full games is like if you were in major league, a Major League Baseball team and it was the last weekend of August and you had a 12-game lead. It is very possible that you could choke up that, that huge lead over the last month and a week of a, of a season, but it's not likely. And that's the same situation here. They could cough that lead up. They could it's, they could lose a couple games in a row and everybody else win a couple and, and that shifts everything. But it's not all that likely because kind of like college football, NFL ain't that good this year either. There's only a few good teams. I mean, this is a really, really good year to be just pretty good because if you can just shore up a couple areas of your deficiencies before you know it, you could easily be in the mix at the end. I mean, the Patriots are good, but they're not some of the Patriots teams you remember. The Seahawks seem to be getting their acts together. So you do have to, you do have those. You got the Cowboys, who only have one loss. They haven't been tested, really. They played a lot of low-rated defenses and not-so-great record teams because most of the league doesn't have good defenses and very good records. But that changes this weekend with a good defense in Baltimore. Ravens 5-4 and four are at... The Cowboys, sure, that's the afternoon game, but always Cowboys always seem to be home, and they always seem to be on Fox in the afternoon. I don't know how the Cowboys get so many damn home games. Uh, around the league, what else we got? Um, only reason this matters is because Jared Goff is starting the number one pick overall. The Dolphins are at the L.A. Rams. Jared Goff gets his career debut. I don't. I love Jeff Fisher. I don't know what the hell he's doing with the Rams over there. Let's see. The Sunday night game is Green Bay at the Redskins. The Monday night game is really big to Titans fans. So let's shift to the Titans. The Titans play at the Colts 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. I'm a crazy Titans fan. We're 5-5. Five and five. Marcus Mariota is actually looking like a high-quality NFL quarterback, like franchise guy. It's starting, to, it's starting to come around, and he's a joy to watch. Is their team good enough to go to the playoffs? Probably not. But at five and five in a bad division, you got all the chance as anybody else. But you got to beat the Colts this weekend, or you can pretty much forget it. Colts are four and five. 
thinking the exact same thing, and the Colts have the Titans' numbers. So that's a big one right there. And then Monday night, for Titans fans, that is, for the rest of the league, nobody cares. Uh, for Monday night, Texans at Oakland, which is a game that's actually being played in Mexico City. So it's not at Oakland, but Oakland's the home team in Mexico City Monday night. The Texans are 6-3. and three. Texans lose that. You win. Now you're only one game back. One game back with six to play, and you still play the Texans at the end of the year. You still got a lot of meaningful football left to play if that happens. This is a big weekend for the Titans, for the Vols, and it was not big for the Falcons as much because they're not playing, but getting that loss last night gives them a full two-game lead. So the local teams, or at least the ones within 130 or 40 miles from here, uh, all have very important games this weekend on the Daily Dose. Let's let's wrap things up with some baseball talk. Shall we? And I know I probably alienated a lot of people. There's not a lot of people that wanted to sit down and listen to me talk sports talk, but I felt like doing it. The winter meetings are coming up right around the corner, and the Atlanta Braves had an incredible final month and a half of the season last year. They really started to put some things together. What John Coppolella, the GM, John Hart, the president of baseball operations, John Sherholtz, president, all those guys working together, Uh, I even think Bobby Cox is involved in it somewhere in the front office. Terry McGurk, all those guys. They have really, they've done a nice job for the last two years trying to turn this thing around. And fans get impatient and they get mad when players they know are traded and they get mad when things get torn down and when they're really, really bad. But you just look at the Indians. They were a disaster not long ago. They just played in the World Series. Um, It wasn't too long ago the Astros were atrocious. And they're back, they're struggling last year, but they're they're stocked with young players. You look at the Cubs, the stinking ass Cubs who just won the World Series, one of the best Major League Baseball clubs I've ever seen play was the 2016 Cubs. They're the world champs. They were a disaster three and four years ago, as they did the same process the Braves are trying to do now. John Coppolella was on WCNN 680, the fan, the flagship for Atlanta Braves baseball, talking about some of the moves they've made here recently, which include the signing of two very, very old veteran players, 40-year-old-plus R.A. Dickey and 40-year-old-plus Bartolo Colon to one-year deals. This is John Coppolella, GM for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, there were a lot of factors that we really liked about both guys. One is that they are going to give innings. Two is that they're going to bring great makeup. You know, just for our young pitchers, we feel like they are great leaders, mentors that can help them as they try to grow into who they can be. I believe the ages are 43 for Bartolo Colon and 42 for R.A. Dickey, both reliable pitchers that put in lots of innings. They're not going to win you any World Series, but they can offer you a lot of value, but they're pretty expensive. A combined $20 million for the two. Look at the scope of the deals. They're one-year deals. If it doesn't work, if something bad happens, we're on the hook for five or six years. We're on the hook for trying to trade away kids from our farm system. We're on the hook for giving up a draft pick. All this was was money. It's a one-year deal. It's guys that our fans, we think, will really like, and they can help our pitchers, but most importantly, they can help the Braves, and they don't tie us up long-term. So we're very pleased with what they bring and what they mean for the franchise. Bartolo Colon was absolutely loved by the New York Mets, and there's a lot of reason to. He went out every fifth day. He uh, he was a big personality. He was funny. He was fun to watch play. Uh, and a, he's a very big guy. Uh, if you don't know anything about him, 
you happen to just stick through this podcast just for the heck of it, I appreciate it. But he's a big fat guy. <laughs> but he goes out there and pitches every day, changes speeds, and he's very effective. Will he? Will it run out one of these days? Are we just gonna? Is it just one day not gonna work for him anymore? Yeah, and it might be this year. But it's only a one-year deal. Ask Mike Dewar from Track 29 and formerly Rhythm and Brews. Ask Ask Brad Steiner from Hits 96 what they think. Big Mets fans, what they think about Bartolo Colon. They hate to lose him. I think he's going to be the, him and Ari Dickey will be great additions to the 2017 club. John Capolella, Braves general manager, talking about the current crop of young pitching. I don't want this to be about us not liking our young pitchers. We like them very much, and we've seen good things out of them. This is going to be really good because it's going to help create more competition for them. And it's going to create an environment where you aren't just handed spots. You have to really earn it. And I feel like we've handed out a lot of spots in past years. That won't happen anymore. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it was just we need five starters to, to pitch, and we don't have five quality, qualified guys to do it. So we're just going to bring up some kid and throw him in there and see if it works. That's not a healthy way to win baseball now. And they are, and and I believe, firmly believe that the Atlanta Braves front office is trying to win baseball, have play winning baseball above 500 baseball in 2017. John Coppolella on how active he will be the rest of the off season. We're very active in trade talks. I mean, you know, I was flying back from the. DR yesterday, and just as I was waiting to leave my flight, I had three or four different calls on trades, and, you know, you're always trying to text, email, find ways where we can get better, and it, it's just talking. You've got to pass through different layers of management, ownership, anytime you want to make a trade, but we are leaving no stone unturned. We're trying to find ways to get better every minute of every day. What I like about John Capolella is he, he is often very honest. That was a little coach speak, management speak, but uh, generally speaking, he tells you almost exactly what he's doing, and sometimes people think that might be he might be too honest sometimes. On the farm system, currently kind of a state of the farm, if you will. We worked so hard these past two years. The pain and misery that our fans have gone through, that we've gone through, through the hard work of many, we've built a really good farm system. And we have a lot of really high-impact prospects. And we're getting a lot of calls on these prospects. We don't want to trade the farm away. The only way to sustain success is to build through homegrown young players. And I firmly believe that, too. I mean, a mix of a, a healthy mix of some, some short-term free agent deals with a healthy farm system is su- sustainable success. Uh, a lot of people were worried that Freddie Freeman, who could bring back a pretty big haul in a trade, is he actually going to – is he is he on the trading block because he had a heck of a season last year and is really the only really recognizable player on the team? He was one of the best players in the league, arguably the best hitters. If we had a better team, he might win the MVP award. It's kind of like if you want to call the Angels about Mike Trout. Uh, you know, it's going to just be a waste of time. I can tell you this. Trey Freeman is our team leader. I think he's the best hitter in the league. Trey Freeman's not going anywhere. And there you go. From the GM's mouth himself, Freddie Freeman isn't going anywhere. Of course, John Hart, who was a GM then, said, there's no chance I'm trading Craig Kimbrell two years ago. And then what did he do? Boom, traded him. So you never can be too sure. Never say never. But uh, I I am really excited about the 2017 Braves. I'm not just uh, drinking the Kool-Aid and going along with what everybody tells me. I watch this stuff. I follow the farm system. I think it's going to be really good. I, I think they might fall back and still only be a 500 team. But I think in August... 
we'll be playing meaningful baseball. And and that's and that's something we haven't had in a couple of years. So I'm really excited. All right, I'm going to get out. I'm going to do an official Stone on Air podcast this weekend with some live music for some guys I used to play music with. We're going to be the music guests. So we're going to do it right here in my garage. And I've got a whole segment and a half that's going to be devoted to a Facebook war that was absolutely uh, ridiculous that I only just threw a, a, a grenade bomb in and then ran away from uh, between Brian Joyce, Jerry Harvey, and again, my just one little bomb I threw in there. Facebook is just such a stupid place. And I'm going to read you some of those reactions and some of the things that people said and just kind of talk about the way people interact and overreact and have no self-control and no maturity and uh, just cannot control their emotions when it comes to social media. That'll be over the weekend. I'll post it probably by Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon. So the Stone On Air show returns this weekend. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Don't be frauds. The truth is easy to remember. Stop lying to everybody. See ya. Bye. Stone's Daily Dose. What if we're still doing this when we're 50? It would be nice to have that kind of job security.